It was. Just, now now <laughs> that we're recording, the, I don't want to. Yeah. You don't want to ruin it anyway. Let's. Well, no, well, no. I'm not saying I'm ruining anything. It's just that the war in Ukraine yes. is uh, something that uh, there, there's only a limit that that Fred's willing to go to, and I've just. Uh, that we don't want to get involved in nuclear or whatever, right? And I get it, but it's like one of those things: is how if we don't push back on Putin, how how much more is he going to push out? And uh, is this inspiring other leaders of the world to uh, you know go places like Taiwan or whatever? When did Fred say that? Uh, what was I doing? No, he was just talking about uh, <laughs> if it was profound. I didn't say. No, no, it, right. I just missed that yesterday. When did he say that? Was that during the show? Or did, yeah. Was it after he's the show? talking about his kids and, or his grandkids? <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. And the, the no-fly zone and all that. Yes, yes. No, it was profound. Maybe you were reading something else. <laughs> maybe, I, maybe I was preparing for one of our interviews. <laughs> no, it was profound. Yes. It's very profound. No, it couldn't have been a vice. Well, well, it was, of course. The only profundity comes from you. The rest, I'm just here for fart jokes. All right. Anyway, I'm just, really, it's bringing me down the whole thing. Wait a minute. First which, of all, I don't which? want to talk about it right now. I know. Now. Let's start. Let's Yeah, let's I don't want to talk about show. it off the top. And we were, before Dan came on, you and I were talking about, um, how we're just like why are we here why are we why, what why did we come back we've been back one day and now we're like what, what did we do we should have just stayed where it was warm mm-hmm. that's yeah. actually how it started down i said to fred i said it was a bit of an adjustment yesterday how did you do and he's like yeah it was cold and shitty there was a major breakthrough for me because Delise doesn't like being away that long with the grandkids and that kind mm, of thing. No fly zone. But even <laughs> she admitted at the end of four weeks that she, at the end of four weeks she could have stayed. Yeah. yeah. Oh, really? You've turned, oh, yeah. you've turned the corner. Uh-huh. Nice. You can, yeah, you doll, can international doll's gone now. from uh, Doll's gone from I'm not leaving the house to... Forget the the, the vaccines. Forget yeah. the uh, virus. I need to be warm. Yeah. Are you going to start the show now? Uh, I don't know. I thought we had more. Do we have to? Are you uh, sorry? Is this bumming you out too? No, no, no. I'm just no. Dan, no, Dan uh, seems like. Well, this is the pre-show, Dan. Where does it end, and where is it going? And are we back you know. on the war? Yeah. Well, I think just like COVID Depressing. did recently, I think this is going to change the world. From yeah, I believe as uh, well. It's going to be. This is not over by a long shot. Well, it may not have been as profound, but what I said yesterday was, <laughs> what I said was, I'm, I think a lot of people have got this ongoing fatigue. I, I tried to have this conversation about the two-year anniversary. Like, this week is basically two years mm-hmm. since we stopped seeing one another and doing the show in this studio. And the reason I brought that up is because of what you're saying, Dan. There's a fatigue around of stress. There's people, a worldwide, like on top of everything else we've gone through, now we have this. Now we're doing this. Now we're at war with Russia. I was discussing your comment yesterday with my friend Linda Cash. And uh, she's what your comment was that uh, I'm tired of having an opinion. I'm tired of having. No, I'm said I'm tired of having to have an opinion on everything that comes along. Yeah. Well, Well, which is a bit of a problem, which is a bit of a problem when you do a show like this. (laughs) Oh, I know. 
Oh, I have opinions. It's just that it's, it's I have opinions. I want just, I want to have opinions about things that don't matter. Like I've got this bit that I've been saving for you uh-huh. and maybe Dan too. I have this well, bit maybe I call. We should do that. This inadvertent farting. You get, you, you get no opinions on COVID or the war. No. <laughs> What's that? No opinions here. The show. Maybe that should be our thing. That's our spin. That's our niche. Uh, no opinions on the war or COVID. Okay, and Dan, he's distorting too. By the way, I'm getting a little distortion from him. Yeah, you're right. That was right. That was a little distortion. You know, I listened to Smartless. Uh, caught up in a couple episodes yesterday. Not sure if you've heard of that show. And um, <laughs> they don't. There's nothing on that show. I heard the one with Kate Blanchett and one with uh, one of their buddies. And there's nothing on those shows that have anything to do with the real world. I'm not saying we should do that, but I'm. I'm it's, it's. It doesn't mean that every day we do a show, we have to. I mean, I know today we no. are. Today we're talking to Tony Clement. It's going to be all about that. But I mean, we should set aside some time each day for just you know nonsense. Like a fun day, like a fun day or a fun. Well, I, I, it should all be somewhat fun. Yeah. I mean, well, what when else COVID do? The, when COVID and the war is over, that's what we'll do. <laughs> But, you know, they do that for political reasons, right, as well. They don't want to alienate any part of that huge audience. That's why they're doing that. No, I don't. I don't. don't, uh, Well, I mean, I I don't disagree, but I don't agree. It's not why they're doing it. I think it's a it's a result of them doing it. But that's not they didn't sit down and go, okay, let's not discuss it. Because they did. They discussed that one day talking to Michael. Moore. No, no, I'm I'm saying like, Yeah. yeah, I mean. It's not because they don't want to... I don't think it's because of alienation. It's just that that's not what they want. That's not the audience they want. That's not the show they want. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, you know, I not. I wouldn't... I think that's a marketing ploy. Yeah, maybe. But, you know, I do. Just like, you know, Joe Rogan's made his decision, too, to go his way. He knows he's going to blow off people or maybe attract people with that type type of talk. I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. No, but I, I mean, whether they do it on purpose, oh, sorry, Dan, whether they do it on purpose or, or inadvertently, but mm-hmm. at some point, I mean, we've had this discussion too, like, we, we, you know, we can only talk about Trump so much and then we had to stop. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've done COVID for two years, although there's lots of shows in the last two years we had nothing to say about COVID. And, mm-hmm. and now we're going to be discussing this war until it's over. I mean, I, I spent an hour checking in on the war yesterday and then i've said to myself okay well that's enough now because i don't know what else to do with it and you have to jesus christ man we're on the verge of world war three you have to check in and see what's going on yeah you do i know you know i I mean i admire and envy and i guess i'm a little bit jealous of those who can be walk through this you know and be oblivious to it all and not care at all but that's not me that's not you you know i want to know what's going on but there is something to be said for, I don't know, Dan, do you check it out every day? Like I said, I also yep. said yesterday, absent of a commute where I'm listening to a radio show, which, by the way, I did want to say, too, at some point, if we can discuss, did you listen to any radio in Florida? Because I listened to nothing but radio in Palm Springs. And I, and I actually found some, some very compelling radio to listen to. Anyway, but mm-hmm. my point, Dan, is... Um, 
absent of a commute and um, sitting around watching the six o'clock news, you really the you can days will go by where all your news comes from Twitter and Facebook and social media. That's where I'm a lot of news. I'm getting a lot of news from. Where are you getting it from? I'm usually going to the news sites, all the news sites. Right. I don't spend a lot of time on CTV news and things like that. Is, yeah. it, is that a good idea to get it from Facebook and Twitter? I'm, I'm, no, I'm not saying only from them, but but yeah. a lot of it comes through that. I mean, you have to go to CNN on purpose. You've got to go to CBC on purpose. You don't really need to go to your phone on purpose. I mean, yeah, you look at Twitter and there's a there's a, a, a news story about something that they're doing. That's my... I'll right, listen, and when a you lot click on it, you that. look at the source. You can tell if it's some whacked out fucking right wing. Yeah, but even even just Twitter place, news, or... like it, there's a news. I, I don't go to Facebook, but there's a news element mm-hmm. to Twitter. This is I just hit refresh and I get the latest news. My point mm-hmm. is, if you're not yeah. listening to a radio station in the morning or the afternoon or going to the six o'clock news where you you can literally check out of the war and not and not have it be part of your life every day if you want. Mm. Well, here's the extent of it for me. What I'll do is during the day, CNN or uh uh, CTV news or whatever I'll just you know I have the apps on my phone I just click on and read the main headline because I'm just worried about escalation yeah so if I see the headline and it's nothing about escalation or something dramatic you know I, I'm not reading every article and everything no, I I'm just I'm just afraid for my kids that's all <laughs> uh, I, you know, listen I, I do the same thing I go to CNN I go to CTV and then in, as yeah. if, I, if I see that you know there aren't you know uh, warheads in the air then I'm yeah. I go back to Game yeah. of Thrones Although, Danny, I was talking to him yesterday, and he said, what's the deal here now? If Canada gets involved, he said two funny things. He said, would I have to go? And I said, Dan, I don't, I'm not sure of 36. I said, I think uh, to the extent we'd get involved, it's probably the guys that are already in the armed forces. Plus, I said, it's probably not going to be a boots on the ground thing at that time. It's just going to be a bunch of missiles flying back and forth. And yeah. even if they conscript it, I'm not sure a 36-year-old guy would be near the top of the list. But he said to me, the only problem, and listen, he's non-political. He said, I, I would just have a real rough time with Justin Trudeau telling me I had to go to war for him. <laughs> yeah. And I said, really? He goes, yeah, I can't take the guy seriously. That's, That's what he said to me. Yeah. You know, there are, uh, not to derail this very cute mm. bit, but there are, f- apparently I read this morning, 500 Canadians already part of some special forces Mm-hmm. There are 40,000, Sarah, read the news. There are 40,000 foreign military volunteers that have, you know, mm-hmm. gone over to the Ukraine to fight. Mm-hmm. Really? Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, do you want to start There's some the sh- guys that just love that shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm surprised that, you know, <laughs> the three of us haven't signed up for something. <laughs> We just want to read about it. <laughs> you know, uh, Mr. Glassman, I'm sorry. You cannot go. Your stinging pisser will disqualifies you. Right. Uh, no. the, the man with the battering ram, you can come. That's right. Well, that was yesterday's bit. The yeah. Trojan horse. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, you see, okay. See, okay. can we get we'll Dan on, starting Dan. the show, please, Dan? This episode of Humble and Fred is coming to you live from a house in Brampton and a condo in Toronto and is brought to you by Gig Sky, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Bodog, Health Gauge, Canna Cabana, and GoDaddy. 
And now, here are two men who left the country to get away from it all, hung out with Americans, and have returned to get away from it all, and now want to go back to get away from it all. It's Humble and Fred. Yeah, very well said, Dan Duran. Very well said. It's going to be another one of those shows today. We've got uh, Tony Clement. We're going to talk about the situation. Uh, what's the government do? You know, are we going to have to? Are we going to be drafted? The three of us. <laughs> you know, I thought of that. The fact that uh, you know some of the most compelling stuff I saw yesterday, and I was watching my one hour of news coverage, was the reality of all these men staying behind in the Ukraine. All these 18 to 60-year-old men and the scenes, uh, there's this train station in Poland that has been used for over 100 years back to the First World War to accept refugees. Platform 4, it's called. And um, there was a story, I think this was on 60 Minutes, uh, Boone gave me the heads up, but basically all these, this town accepting all these women and children and those were some of the compelling things, scenes of war that you, you, when I saw them, I was thinking, oh, this, this is what it must have been like, you know, back in the 1940s when all this was happening, except now it's happening with people sh- taking, f- you know, f- videos with their phones. But it's the same basics. It's, it's millions. This is the, the part that disturbs me is they're talking about four or five million immigrants having to leave that country and spread out across Europe in a, like, just think about that. Where's all that? Where are those people all going to go? Where are they all going to settle? You know, yeah. And on the flip side of that, what's the population there? About 40 million? 40 million is Ukraine, yeah. That means 35 million are staying. What's going to happen to them? Yeah. How many of those are going to die? Did you see the, uh, I saw the shot yesterday of the, and again, you know, I keep thinking of my grandkids and my kids. The kid was probably eight or nine years old, the same age as Johnny Slapshot, just walking all by himself down this road crying. Yeah. Like, this Putin is just so fucking heartless. And I know people come back with, you know what the United States has done around the world to be innocent people? Yeah, and I can't argue that. Yeah. But what we're, we're you know, this is now that we're talking about what's happening right now. And it's just so heartless. Yeah, the Americans have done heartless things, too. But, again, this is the issue of the day. This is, this is the stuff we're seeing now. So you comment on it. I, I think it was on CTV last night. They have this um, Ukrainian girl whose parents live in Russia, and I guess she had come from Russia. Her parents, she, when she talks to them, refuse to believe still that it's Russia's fault. They're chastising her, telling her that she is being sucked in by the Nazis and fake news. Yeah. And she's going, Mom, Dad, there's bombs falling around us. Mr. Putin is bombing innocent people. No, they laugh at her and say, oh, they feel bad for her that she's been sucked in by the propaganda. Yeah. It it was just so disheartening. And you wonder, in in 2022, how can they shut off completely information going into russia well i was reading this article this morning before you came on uh, on ctv news i'm just answering that question and and a lot of it is they've just shut down 
the information. I mean, you know, we talk about social media, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but when you have no access to real to, to other people's opinions. So I'm reading this article. It says Russia has made a number of accusations to justify its war. Uh, Vladimir Putin has made it a crime to um, a punishable up to 15 years to spread what Moscow deems as fake reports. So yeah. this is this is what you know Donald Trump wanted basically mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. you know if you don't if if it's not state sponsored you get to, he, he shuts it down and so you mm-hmm. know and the whole article is about who's winning the information war yeah and um, inside of Russia they're making this is the word I was going to say for Tony but I'll since you brought it up the, the, to denazify to denazify. Uh, Ukraine is the justification within the country of Russia for this attack. Oh, you mean the country with the Jewish president? With the Jewish president, exactly. (laughs) I know, it's bizarre. Oh, and you know what these parents said? Um, She said, Mr. Putin is, why even say Mr.? Anyway, is, is bombing and killing innocent women and children. And the parents came back and said, no, you've got it wrong. The Ukrainians are killing their own people. Yeah. That's what they came back and said to her. And it's. Yeah, I know. It's just, again, it's so disheartening because all along, there's just so many frustrating things. And even now coming out of Russia, the fake news thing that you just talked about. Will we will we ever realize the full depth of the damage that Donald Trump did to the world? And I mean, there's another example. You know, I talked to the guy that owned the house that I stayed in Florida. I don't know if I told you this. I sat with him a few minutes, right? And it took him no time to get on to You Can't Believe the News. And then a little bit of probing, you know, his go-to was Fox. And I said to him straight up, I said, you're making a big mistake, man. I said, if you want the real news, or you think the world's full of fake news, that's the last place you should be going. And he was a bit of a goober, right? And he didn't really come back with much. But that's what's going on everywhere because of... Well, I mean, got whether Trump from, started got it that from uh, from Donald. Well, or 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 did he? I mean, or did it? Or did was it all? Listen, tr- uh, I'm not taking anything away from what you're saying about. I'd love to blame Donald Trump completely, and I have said this a bunch of times that you know the genius of Donald Trump is putting that in the minds of Americans. But I think it was in the minds of Russians. I mean. You know, yes. misinformation and disinformation in the KGB, state-sponsored news, etc. has been around Russia a long time. Longer than it's been around America. And I think what we saw was Donald Trump or Steve Bannon or whoever, mm-hmm. you know, the mastermind of that policy. I think they just borrowed it from other dictators and dictatorial right. regimes. I don't think it's the other way around. I think they got, I think Trump and his group got it from this group. Yeah, you know what? That's a great point. It's just when they actually start using that phrase, fake yes. news. It's I know. Like, ee. Um, all you right, know. Dan Duran. Uh, yep. We will. It's going to be a while. Uh, and listen, I, I just want to say I recognize that you know these shows that we're doing now, today, yesterday. There's going to be a lot of uh, interviews. It's not every day, but you know. So Tony Clement will be our Gig Sky guest of the day, and we've got a couple other guests. Uh, mining week continues. We're also going to talk to somebody who's associated with GoDaddy. So Dan will be back with uh, Dan Duran News uh, right after Tony Clement. I think that's what we said yesterday. We're going to have you pop in right after Tony. 
I'll give it a shot. You know, it's a it's a, a <laughs> it's, piece of art. It's a part piece it? of art in motion. <laughs> I, just, I don't know how we got hijacked here because I really wanted to talk about the fact that I, I I've now seemed to be losing the ability to quietly squeak out a fart because I went to several times with Rachel over the uh, month we were together and uh, on a few occasions she caught me she's like did you just fart I'm like I don't think so (laughs) denial I don't know I don't think so let me check (laughs) right but it was just one of those ones where I was like I was trying to be discreet and just sort of let it just kind of gently squeak out and then on two or three occasions it, it made a little toot does that show up on your health gauge? Maybe you can. <laughs> I should. I should check my watch. All right. Thank you, Dan. Okay. Later. Yeah, that's what I want to talk about. Uh, speaking of health gauge, had a good talk with Tim Daniels yesterday. There's a guy doing business all over the world uh, and, and in the mining uh, sector as well. He's not just involved in health gauge. You can be too, by the way. Healthgauge.com. And this watch uh, is doing it all. You know, the, I, I've said this before, you know, the first things I do every morning is check how long I slept, or in my case, didn't sleep. But the health gauge is more than just that. It's more than just a timepiece. You know, especially now in these stressful times, especially when you get a little bit older. You know, like our, uh, maybe we should spend a second here and talk about our friend Lawrence Morgenstein died. Same age as me. Born in 1960. Health Cage, uh, you check your blood pressure, your oxygen saturation, your heart rate, pulse wave velocity, and so much more. HealthCage.com. And now you can get Humble and Fred discounts. Humble Fred HG for a 15% discount at HealthCage.com. Hey, people, whether you're a sports better, a horse racing fan, a poker, a casino player, Bodog, your number one source of online gambling entertainment from... Their industry-leading odds, world-class sportsbook, and feature-rich poker room, uh, poker room to their fully loaded casino and race book. They've been providing Canadian players with an unparalleled gaming experience since 1994. Of course, now you can wager on all the big North American sports, uh, individual games. It's so much fun. Individual games like tonight's in the Seattle Kraken. Visit the Scotiabank Arena. Uh, of course, the Leafs are the favorites. Uh, uh, the Kraken pay uh, $220 to win. A Leafs struggling lately. Last night blew a three-goal lead in Columbus. Yes, they won 5-4, but there's really some cracks in that armor. Bodog is where to go for all your sports betting entertainment. That must be weird for you. Like, Just odd. You know, you cheer for a team, and even when they win... It's not satisfying because you know yeah. or you suspect that long term this isn't the team to take you all the way. And, and you've been hanging in for and I don't blame you, by the way. I just think it's interesting that, you know, you can you can cheer for a team, but be unimpressed by a win. Yeah. You know, Howard, um, I think about this a lot. When I'm thinking hockey and the Maple Leafs, you know, the years when they would just squeak into the playoffs, you think they're gonna, they're not going to win the cup, but let's see what they do. And then they might win a series or something. And it's, it's exciting and fun. But I think this is year eight of uh, the Shanna plan. Uh, 
you know, and then Dubas three or four years, whatever, and now Austin Matthews four or five years. By now, they should be positioned to win it all. But it's just so painfully obvious. They don't have what it's what it takes. They just don't. Yeah, they're flashy, and they, you know, and they have they, you know them. A lot of points compared to other teams in the NHL, but you just know when push comes to shove, when the rubber hits the road, they're not. They don't have what it takes to win the Stanley Cup. Starting with goaltending, you got to have a goaltender. So you can't enjoy the. No. In the meantime, it doesn't do anything if they win. Uh, what was the score? Five one. You said five four. They five, were up four. three nothing. Blew that in mm. Columbus. That, then they win, but what? Because the thing is, now you're in this mindset. They got to win a Stanley Cup with this team, right? Yeah. So it's not just making the playoffs. <laughs> they got to win a Stanley Cup, and then anything short of a Stanley Cup is going to be a disappointment. And you know, looking at them, that like the big legitimate teams, they're just not in that class. They're not. You know, and he might make a couple of trades before the deadline. I don't know how. He's got no cap space. So from that standpoint, I find it disheartening. It's like no matter what happens, does this any of this really matter right now? Well, listen, I I give you credit for being consistent because you have basically been saying the same thing. Well, most recently, since they lost Mm -hmm. last year in the playoffs, you basically said, well, nothing counts now until they get past this first round. That's right. Again, no guts, no grit, no goaltending. I call it the three Gs. They just don't have any of that. And the teams that win Stanley Cups have it all. All right. No guts, no goaltending, no grit. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm glad you had time to think about that. Um, So we were talking about the idea that we were away for, I don't know, I guess the month, 28 days. And, you know, we got some feedback from people. I, I, there's an, an interesting email here from one of our Hundy P's. Because I was talking about how expensive Palm Springs is. Even though we weren't in Palm Springs, we were outside of Palm Springs. I only actually went to the city of Palm Springs like once. Yep. But it's an expensive area. Anyway, we got a couple emails. Let's get to those. Hi, guys. We have a... Uh, Hi, guys. This is an interesting Hi idea guys. from uh, one Hi of our Hundy P's. Darren Shanahan. Okay. Uh, I don't see that one, Howard. Oh, I'm sorry. Because I said at the beginning, I said, do you have that one? I said, all right. No, re- I, it was the breathing one you asked me about. Oh, right. Well, I, I was going to read the breathing one. And okay. you read this one I just sent you. Actually, you know what? You read the breathing one. I apologize. Okay. Uh, Darren, right. I, I, you're right. That was a while ago. Darren says, hi, guys. Welcome back. Howard was speaking about places to spend a month or two mm-hmm. that are not as expensive as California. One of the places he recommends is Buenos Aires. Yes. He says, I know it's a long flight, but it's an international city with great culture, amazing restaurants, nice Airbnbs, around $60 Canadian. I guess that's a night. And really cheap for Canadians as the Argentinian peso is weak versus a Canadian dollar. It's just as big and it's just as safe as he says as any big American city. And what's nice about going there in February is the days are long, which is great for morale. Don't want to shout out, but just wanted to share my passion for that city, Buenos Aires. I've never, I haven't been of you. No, no. Um, I often make that uh, observation that we're so quick to go to Europe all the time and or Australia and the, you know, uh, Southeast Asia, the South, you know, Thailand and stuff. And, 
you know, Central and South America don't ever seem to come up a lot when you're talking to people in their travels, you know? And uh, for whatever reason. Um, could it be that Distant? people are frightened maybe, because of all maybe. the cocaine yeah. trafficking that we've seen well, that's, on... Uh, that's more Central America. No, I know, right? but I, I'm, and I'm being partly facetious. It's yeah. like, I think maybe after watching, mm-hmm. you know, five seasons of Narcos... Yes. No, that could be it. Absolutely. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Although Buenos Aires, I, I've heard, not just from Darren's email, but I have heard that it's it's pretty culturally cool and, and sort of like going to a big city. But, you know, again, it's we were talking about there. There's something about say what you want about Florida, but the, there's some the idea of being able to drive your own car someplace form for a couple months is also appealing. Sure it is. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Anyways, thank you, Darren. And uh, now to the email about us breathing and how we should stop breathing. I'll read this whole thing. It actually went to Mike Boone, uh, producer of the show from Russell Fosberg. He said, I'm not a hundred percenter, but I was close when Eileen was around. I uh, stopped listening when she left, but... That is a subject for another day. Also, I never did get the Phil thing. (laughs) (laughs) I started listening off and on last year full time when the convoy occupied Ottawa because I share the boys' hatred of anti-vaxxers and anti-maskers. So I listened to all of January and... uh, I'm up to their American visit, and I just want to add a comment, he says. It's something you may want to correct in the production of the show. Both Fred and Howard, even the great Dan Duran, seem to be taking big breaths before they speak. Listen closely, and you'll see it's something that can be corrected and should result in a better listening experience. Thanks for the time. (sighs) Best Canadian podcast ever. Yeah. I read Best that. Canadian podcast ever. Did you get that? Yeah, part? I got that no. part. That's the only part yeah. I'm concentrating That's- on. <laughs> That's all I care about. Um, when I read that, all I saw, all I read was blah blah blah. Hundred percenter Phil Eileen. Best podcast. That's not true. Russell, Russell, Russell Fosberg. Thanks for your email. Yeah, I I don't know. Like uh, now, I'm afraid to breathe. Oh, it's probably true. I mean, we're old geezers, right? You need, more, you need to take in more That's air right. nowadays. <laughs> That's, it is true. Yeah. We're not denying of anything. It's true. We don't deny anything anymore. It's all true. We, we do, we're just, we're old. We need to breathe more. <laughs> that is really funny to me. Yeah. Oh, there I go breathing again. Sometimes what you do is you judge um, reaction by amount of reaction, and that's a new one to us. It really is. But we're aware of that now. We've asked Dan Duran and Mike Boone to listen for that, and uh, we'll adjust accordingly, I guess. I don't know. Unless it's impossible to breathe. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. If I, I thought about it. I, I don't know if it's the mics that we're using now, the fact that we're in two different places, the fact that the production is different than it used to be. Mm-hmm. Maybe the mics are more sensitive to our breathing now. Uh, anyway, but thanks for your email. Lots of other people checking in. It's Humble and Fred at HumbleandFredRadio.com. I mentioned this yesterday. Someone that worked on a show you did. And somebody that I knew... I guess my entire 
stand-up career, Lawrence Morgenstern. I, I bring it up for a couple reasons. Uh, he worked on the Sports Zone. Yes, a show I did back in the 80s, yes. Mm-hmm. And when I came back to doing stand-up in 2016, I must have worked with Lawrence and Glenn Foster probably four or five times. And he's just another guy that's uh, around the city of Toronto and you know around the country. And my brother knows him. A lot of people in the stand-up world know him. And again, you worked with him. And uh, it's just kind of sad. The guy's 62 years old and uh, just upped and died. Do we know what took him? Well, I went and checked this morning on the in memoriam, in memoriam site, and uh, it doesn't say cause of death. But would you have <laughs> would you have tended his uh, no. funeral if you'd have been in town? I don't think so. I wasn't that close with Lawrence. He was just a guy I knew. But mm-hmm. I can't remember if I said this to you during our conversations off the air. But uh, I wasn't. I mean, it was shocking because he's so he's still pretty young at 62. That's my age. But it wasn't surprising because Lawrence was a pretty big guy and he ate poorly. And uh, when he died, it reminded me of that uh, that guy in City Slickers. You know, when that. Which that, one? Well, the, the guy that dies in the movie. And then one of the characters says, you know, I, they say, oh, well, it was his lefty died or whatever his name was. And then the character says, yeah, but he ate bacon for every meal. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and that yeah. was kind of Lawrence. Lawrence, every time I was with Lawrence in the last five years, he was eating a basket of fries. <laughs> Just, he had fries all the time. Well, was Lawrence the guy when you would go on the road, he'd have the cooler and make sandwiches no, no, in the no. back seat? That was Larry that Horowitz. That was a different guy? Yeah, Larry Horowitz. Oh, that was Larry Horowitz. Yeah. And, and yeah, and Lawrence wasn't the guy with the great uh, khaki pants thing, right? Uh, there was a guy that messed himself on stage. That wasn't him. I it was the same that. guy. Oh, that was the other guy. Okay, no, it was Larry, the same okay. guy. It was the same guy that had me make sandwiches for him. <laughs> Okay, I'm getting my comics mixed up. <laughs> it's true. So that guy shit himself. <laughs> is he dead? Is no, he dead? he's not dead. Oh, okay. So he's not dead. Lawrence is, though. And Lawrence, <laughs> honestly, I did a gig with him in Oakville. This is like within the last couple of years. So not that, just before COVID. We did a gig together. And this is, I swear this is true. I got to the gig and I could never, I can, I get nervous. Even now I get nervous before I go on stage. I can certainly not eat a lot of food before I go up. But Lawrence, Lawrence, I come to the gig and Lawrence is sitting at the bar and I swear he's got a basket of fries and like a plate of wings. (laughs) He's just mowing through them before he goes up. He just didn't care. So again, I'm sad that he's gone. It wasn't a huge surprise, but I wanted to segue to something else with you, mm-hmm. which is Bob Saget. Okay. Have you been reading any more about what killed Bob Saget? I know we talked a little bit about this when we were uh, doing our shows remo- remotely, but you know, it turns out that he just fell and mm-hmm. cracked his skull. Right. Yeah, and... Um, you know, in the the reports, there was a lot of damage. And have they been able to explain that? Apparently, from what I've read most recently, is it was just an accident where he slipped, didn't realize how injured he was, fell unconscious, 
woke Mm -hmm. up, put himself to bed, and then just never woke up again. And as I think we described when we were doing the show, is that he basically... He, he hit his head in such a way that his skull cracked like an egg all the way from the back to the front near his, his eye cavity. Anyway, so for the last week that I was in Palm Springs, I was completely by myself. Rachel left on the Saturday. We finished our last show on the Thursday. She left Saturday, and I golfed every day until I went, until I came home two days ago, three days ago. But here's the weird thing. <laughs> like I know you live with doll and I I'm only Rachel and I are together maybe three or four days out of seven. So there are there were seven days there and there's usually three or four days a week here by myself. And I started thinking about it, like what happens what happens if the how man slips? Look at all those stairs in that condo where you're living exactly. right now. You could you could stop really and they're they're steep and they're long. An old fella like you could really do some bone damage <laughs> at the, by the time you hit the bottom. A geezer like me, I can barely <laughs> breathe. But I, I'm serious. Like there were several times in Palm Springs because now I'm completely alone. Um, my partner, my lady friend, has gone home. I'm in a shower. I've tell, I'm being serious. There were several showers where I was like, okay, just get in there clean off and get out because I'm like Saget slipped in the bathroom somewhere and right. banged his head on something. And maybe as well, maybe sp- you should get those security handles put in your shower <laughs> at home right. and stuff. I should. You know, what's gone through my mind several times that happens every summer. If I'm sometimes out vacuuming the pool and I'm sort of walking backwards while I've done it a couple of times, I've stumbled a bit. And I thought, Jesus, I should watch what I do and watch what I'm doing. And then my mind has raced as I stumble, I fall backwards, I crack my head on the side of the pool, I roll in, drown. Delise is going about her business and looks out and sees me floating face down in the pool. Yeah. You know how many times I've had that thought? Many, many, many times. Exactly. But it could happen. You've got to watch what you're doing. Exactly. You really do. You know, you talk about the stairs in my house, and you're going to think mm-hmm. this is weird, but I, if I have to run downstairs, if I'm on, the, say, the fourth floor, and I have to run downstairs, yeah, and I take my phone, because I think, what if I, if I stumble and fall, break my leg, I can't get back up these stairs, I'm just laying here, waiting to, I don't know, for days. <laughs> like, like, who finds me? Mm-hmm. And it's not like you need to get your to your noom goal weight now. You're already there. So I am. That wouldn't be of any use. <laughs> no. <laughs> anyway, I just want you to know, like, there were several moments where I'm like, I don't want to sag it. I don't want to have to. What if I have a sag it incident in Palm Springs? Rachel's not there. And, she, and, and like I said to myself one night, I could have a shower in the afternoon, stumble, fall, go unconscious, and it would be. A whole other day before she would be like, well, where's Howard? Mm. I can be not checking in. Mm. Just be dead. Anyway. Yeah. These things happen. And when I see Bob Sagan or Lawrence Morgan Stern or other guys that... It's Morgan Stern, right? Yes. Um, that die in the early 60s. And, you know, I'm 65. You're 62. I'm not ready to go yet. I feel, no. I feel like I, there's a still still a lot to, to do. There's still a lot going on. I'm, to have your life cut off then is that's just a horrible thought it is and it's not fair i mean no. if you weren't around you would miss 
our Gig Sky guest of the day. He's a beaut. He's brought to you by Gig Sky. Tony Clement is here, the only worldwide mobile data service with affordable rates in over 190 countries. Download the app today for Android or iOS at gigsky.com. Enter the code HF2022 for $5 off your first plan. It is the easiest, most affordable, and convenient way to stay connected internationally. Gigsky.com and the promo code HF2022. Speaking of being connected internationally, our guest today was the former uh, second-in-command to this country. Um, don't don't he's make a, a face. What? He's a four-star general. <laughs> he's the uh, former assistant to the regional director of Canada. He is, in fact, our good friend. I was going to say comrade, but you can't. Mm-hmm. Our friend, Tony Clement. Anthony Clemente. Welcome back, guys. Hi, Tony. Hi. Thank you, Tony. Thank you, Tony. Yeah. Good to see you. Welcome to the snowy north. Yeah. Hey, Tony, let's get right to it. How worried should we be? You were in Florida the last time we talked at a conference uh, with Russians and Ukrainian diplomats like yourself, I guess. uh, Should we be worried? Yeah, there's going to be a lot of uh, knockdown effects from this economically. Obviously, uh, you've seen the the gas prices and... uh, I think there's going to be a lot of supply chain issues. Uh, uh, Russia is a pariah state now, uh, and uh, so that means disentangling uh, from sort of uh, basically being reliant on Russia for certain things. Like, uh, you know, everybody's talking about oil and gas, but Russia and Belarus produce a lot of potash for the world. Uh, you know, a little bit about potash, uh, Howard, coming from the prairies. That's and right. How important it is to fertilizer and uh, growing crops and uh if that is no longer available to farmers around the world, food prices are going to go through the roof. So there's a lot of knockdown effects from this economically. And, of course, we're seeing the carnage. Uh, you know, war means carnage. Uh, it's, it's sad and uh, tragic, but um, it should come as no surprise to those who aren't used to it. Maybe it is surprising to those who aren't used to it, but there's, there's going to be a, a lot of physical and emotional damage as a result of war. It's just very sad. How naive are we to think, oh, this is just a madman who's lost his mind? Like, is there is there any arguable arguable basis for this? Well, um, look, uh, I mean, just to be fair, you know what I mean? Yeah, he yeah, yeah, claims yeah. that he doesn't want NATO right up against his doorstep. Like, is any of that valid or is this just a freaking madman? I don't know. Well, it, it, it's... Uh, I don't think it's valid. I wouldn't say it's valid, but it's not surprising that he takes that that view because he's a paranoid individual. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, uh, look, uh, there was a bunch of decisions made uh, in the 90s after the collapse of the Berlin Wall that I think were the right decisions. You've got these people who were shackled to the Soviet system who wanted to be free and, you know, had good reason to fear uh, Russian aggression. I'm thinking of Poland. I'm thinking of the Baltic states. I'm thinking of Hungary. I'm thinking of uh, Czechoslovakia. You know, they had Russian tanks and Soviet tanks in their streets even after World War II. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they wanted to join the club. They wanted to join NATO to be to be protected against Russian aggression in the future. Uh, and so, I don't think it comes as a surprise that uh, 
uh, Russian leadership reacted to that. And Putin, who who followed Boris Yeltsin, Yeltsin was trying to build a modern mm-hmm. uh, pluralistic society in Russia. That was a failure. And then you have Putin, the strong man who comes in to restore order after the chaos of the Yeltsin later years. And uh, yeah, he sees everything as a threat. So is it predictable? Yes. Is it justifiable? That's another question. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny as you were talking, and I, and I did some reading this morning, Tony, about the disinformation and the justification. Actually, the article is called The Justification for Russian Claims in the Ukraine. But what you just described about, you know, a, a, a nation that felt less than and then a strong man comes in and restores the Russian pride and then once again to rebuild this the mother Russia. Well, that sounds exactly like. Hitler after World War One, which yeah. is, you know, the, the Germans felt less than and this was a chance to take their great nation back and, and then restore their order in the world. And of course, on the heels of that, I mean, you describe Trump to a certain extent, too. You know, the same bullshit he's screaming at his uh, dunderheads. So to finish my point, and, and Fred and I discussed this earlier about the idea in Russia, they call it fake reports. And then, of course, that... Mm-hmm harkens back to the fake news what came first in your mind because i said to freddie that i think that trump and bannon were basically following the russian playbook of disinformation and fake reports what do you think yeah and uh, of course uh putin had a strategy uh you know uh to break down democratic institutions in the west to to uh to in, in some way break down the faith we had in our in our institutions, and so that was part of the Russian. I'd call it a propaganda campaign. I yes, mean, you know they, we use modern terms for this now on social media, but it's 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 like, propaganda has been around for centuries, and uh, this is this is what they do. Uh, they 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 erode faith in our own institutions, our democracy, our uh, our willingness to believe. Uh, politicians and state institutions. That's all part of his his mm-hmm. plan to make it easier for him to sow chaos in the West, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, d- diplomacy is a weird beast too. Now, have you ever been in the? Have you ever met Putin? Have you ever been in the same room as Vladimir Putin? Uh, yeah, once uh, twenty years ago, he spoke at the in Toronto at a business club. Uh, at the Sheraton Center, he wow. was the you know this was when he was the brand new leader. He took he took office uh, December thirty first, nineteen ninety nine, and uh, so I think it was sometime in that two thousand two thousand and one. He was kind of seen as the shiny new leader who right. who who was talking at the time twenty years ago about w- a pluralism and democracy and all these things. So you know we. We kind of were were hooked yeah. into that, and uh, and before you know it, he's there speaking to a, a business audience in Toronto. So that's the only time I was in the same room. So so here's the thing about diplomacy. Even now, like if world leaders have to meet with this guy, and and I'm sure maybe you've been in that position where you've actually had to talk some to somebody civilly, civilly when you know that they've committed sort of atrocities or have murdered innocent people. What's that like? Because on some level, all leaders have to do that. Yeah. I mean, you have to, you know, if you have to meet with the the guy in China or, you know, this guy's been up to no good. He's done horrible things, but you have to actually receive them like they're normal. 
Right. And of course, that only increases their legitimacy. Right. So yeah. that's that's the balancing act. I mean, Harper, Stephen Harper famously at a at a world meeting, uh, I guess, after Russia invaded uh, Crimea, you know, which and annexed it, although it was part of Ukraine. Uh, he famously, uh, you know, because they were shake, all the world leaders were shaking hands. And when he got to Putin, he said, he said, and I'm quoting, I'll shake your hand, but uh, I uh, protest your invasion of Crimea that is against international law. And uh, and I'm shaking your hand. Basically, he's, he, I'm shaking your hand under duress mm-hmm, because yeah. I'm, a, I'm a polite person, but I don't believe you're. I don't believe you. And I he he he, he at, at, at meetings that I've been at, Harper always characterized Putin as a as a bald faced liar and, yes. uh, you know, just a, an unworthy person. So I asked you at the beginning him. if we should be worried. And mm-hmm. I want to ask it again, but I want to ask a similar question in a different way, which is. Well, it's two questions. What is the worst case scenario? Is it as bad as we could imagine? And, and what? What is there? Is there a pathway out of this that doesn't involve, you know, a World War Three? Maybe the worst. Is there a pathway out of this that doesn't involve the worst case scenario? Yeah, I mean, I think the worst case scenario, as you just said, is, is World War Three. So an expansion of the conflict beyond the borders of Ukraine, and uh, that's that's why you know. Is that what Russia? By the way, just a qu- third question: Is that what Russia wants? No, I think Russia. You know, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? So it's the strategy of we take Ukraine, uh, we uh, basically quasi annex Belarus, then we move on uh, many states like Moldova and Georgia. I mean, yeah, a little. Uh, this is the big bite. This is this was the big gamble that Putin made. But then, uh, if if the West just sort of cowered and did nothing, he would be emboldened to do more. It's the same strategy in 1936, as you were referencing. So so that's the worst-case scenario, that this spills out beyond the borders of uh, Ukraine and, uh, you know, beyond the borders of Ukraine are NATO. So uh, while Ukraine does not have the advantage of Article 5 of NATO, which I talked about before, an attack on one is an attack on all of them, therefore automatic war. Uh, as soon as you get into Poland, as soon as you get into the Baltic states, they're all members of NATO. And so this could spill into what would be World War Three for sure. And of course, because uh, uh, Russia is armed to the teeth with nuclear weapons, uh, that is that is very distressing to think about. So the, that's the is there a way out of that? Yeah, I think there's lots of ways out of it. Aside from just ignoring Russia and what it's doing, uh, there's been a request to uh, from uh, Ukraine to acquire. Uh, Soviet-era uh, planes, bombers, and fighters from Poland, and then Poland would be replenished for those planes. Uh, I think that's a reasonable request. Russia is saber-rattling about that. That's an act of war. But everything, you know, er- everything we do, Putin is saying, is an act of war. But whether whether it'll it'll trigger something is another issue. So I think that that's a, we have to keep arming the Ukrainians as best we can so that they can continue the fight and uh, and then continue to increase i'm I'm sorry to say for some of your listeners but we're going to have to increase our defense spending and and pour Mm -hmm. more money into europe uh, to uh, to help our nato allies in europe and if we're canadians we've got to worry about the arctic because that's the next frontier for putin i mean he's been encroaching on the arctic for years Mm -hmm. Uh, there are major uh uh, you're probably aware of this but uh, we we have major incursions by russian planes over the arctic practically every day Mm-hmm. And uh, so they, we've, we've got to worry about protecting the Arctic, too. 
Ukraine and um, and, and NATO bring us up to speed on that. Um, they were they had applied to become part of NATO, and why wasn't that expediated when the threat was around? What what is that process? Because we've been talking about the threat him building up at the border. Why during that period didn't uh, Ukraine just become uh, part of NATO quick? Because people were fast track. Of the, you wanted to fast track into NATO. Fast track them. Fast like, track. Why, why didn't we fast track the Ukrainians? Because they were afraid if he did it and it was NATO, then again, that here we are with World War Three. What was this? What what was the hold up there? Or what well, I think the, clearly it was a red line. You're right about yeah. that. Like it, it would have raised a potential conflict. Uh, also, I, I, I think uh, I, I apologize to our U- Ukrainian Canadian listeners but uh you know ukraine had its internal problems uh you know there was a lot of corruption uh at some points it it almost veered into failed state status uh because of political and economic Mm -hmm. disruption it had to clean up its act a little bit i'm not saying that everybody in nato is lily white i mean we got turkey in nato as an example Mm -hmm. Uh, but uh i think that they had to jump through a few more hoops before they would have been acceptable to, to nato because as soon as you're in nato you get Article 5 protection, uh, and uh, that, you know, one of the things that triggers Putin or had triggered Putin was, as part of NATO, uh, these, uh, these uh, uh, countries like Poland and the Baltics, you'd get NATO troops in your country. So all of a sudden there were U.S. troops in the Baltics and in Poland. That, that was something that Putin found completely unacceptable. So, yes, you're, you're going to have these, these issues. So there's so many things here that parallel you know, the, the beginnings of the last big war. Uh, and when I asked you about our best case scenario, I, I didn't really hear a lot of you know, great news. Is there, a, is there a way for this to end with Vladimir Putin saving enough face that he doesn't lose his mind and send a, uh, you know, single nuclear um, warhead our way some way. Is there a way out of this for him? Do you know what I'm asking? Like, because I know yeah. that this is a huge, there's a huge PR war. And mm-hmm. one of them is, mm-hmm. how does he get out of this mm-hmm. and still be the strong leader of Mother Russia? Right. I should have mentioned the best case scenario is that the generals and the oligarchs get together and depose him. Yes. Internally. That's the best case scenario. Or even take them out, right? That's happened. Yeah, take them out. Yeah. yeah. Take yeah, them out. Exactly. Yeah. That is great. Post, so, so, is, is, so forget my, my question. So just finish that thought. Is that because we've talked about that, the idea that the richest Russians around the world are going to be like, hey, wait a second. My yacht is frozen. You right. know, I, I can't right. get my money. Right. Well, and will that not ex- uh, bring enough pressure to bear on their friend Vladimir? Yeah, that's going to be interesting. Uh, you know, the, I think the the real focal point, there are a bunch, but the real focal point is London. Uh, and Boris Johnson yesterday at a press conference with Justin Trudeau said that they're going to be turning the screws even higher on the oligarch side. London is colloquially known as Londongrad. There's so much Russian ill-gotten gains sloshing around there. I think it's a trillion pounds of investment wow. by these oligarchs uh, in, in real estate and, uh, you know, whatever. Football teams. Uh, fo- football clubs, yeah, yeah. exactly. Ch- Chelsea Football Club, etc. So uh, so I, they'll be turning the screws on those guys. They've got legislation in the British Parliament now to do that. Uh, so uh, they're, they're, it's very clear that, as I said, Russia is a pariah state now. I've never seen it happen 
so completely. I mean, things I wouldn't even thought of, like Russian cats not being allowed at the international cat competition. Mm-hmm. Uh, you yes. know, I mean, it's it's some of the stuff that people are thinking of to to uh, to show their displeasure with uh, with Putin. So uh, yeah, I think I, I'm going to go out on a limb. I think that's a possibility. These oligarchs contact the general, and then then Putin says to the generals, "I want the nuclear option on the table, and uh, I want the launch codes with me at all times, or whatever he says." And the generals start looking at one another, going, "Do we want war because of this crappy country called Ukraine?" You know, look look yes. at it in their eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and they've lost, uh, according to. Uh, Ukrainian sources, who knows, but uh, the Russians have already lost 11,000 Russians to this yeah. war. Apparently, uh, it's, 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 a bit of, it's a bit of a debacle. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, so, and they've deployed everybody they had on the outside of Ukraine, or mm-hmm. now in Ukraine, and now Putin is looking for foreign legionnaires rather yeah. than yeah. Conscripting, conscripting more Russians. That's a sign and that he Syrians? knows how unpopular this is, yeah. And he, so, he's looking to Syria. Don't they Syrian, say, too, yeah. there's some saying about the, the best defense against a nuclear weapon is its use, meaning, you know, those generals just under Putin are going, wait a minute, he wants the nuclear codes, but I don't want to die because as soon as this starts, this, not, this isn't good for anybody. Yeah. So uh, yeah. once the nuclear weapons start to fly, Vladimir Putin, where are you going to live? What's your life going to be like uh, or for that? Uh, you and your family and other Russians and North Americans and... It could just come down to an emotional thing with the people around him. Like, hey, I, I'm not. I don't want to die. I don't yeah, want my. To, to I don't Fred's want my point, kids to be part of nuclear fallout. Tony, is that is that to Fred's point? Is that what keeps the detente in place, even yeah, at the madman level? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it used to be called mutual assured destruction, right. mad, uh, and uh, it, it it worked from Hiroshima to the present. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, you know, we've never had this situation of a destabilizing figure like Putin in a major nuclear power before. Uh, and so we're in new ground here. But I, mm-hmm. I, I think ultimately humanity, I'd like to believe, uh, you know, that humanity will will transcend that. And the generals will say, look, we're just there. There is no threat on Russia there. You know, it's mm-hmm. not as if that Russia was facing an existential threat. Uh, and they had to invade Ukraine, and and the generals know that. Yeah, uh, and and now everybody, all the soldiery know that, and uh, ordinary Russians are starting to know that. So mm-hmm. he, he's uh, that's what makes him desperate, but that also makes him weak. You know the infrastructure you were talking about. You know that you've seen the the shots of the Russian army stalled, and some of their equipment not working. I can't remember if this was, uh, you might know this quote, Tony, uh, famously attributed to, I think, someone like Peter Ustinov years ago said, I no longer worry about the Russians because I've been there and I've seen how, like, nothing fucking works. Excuse my language. Like, nothing works. Like, the phones don't work as well. Like, the infrastructure of Russia in general is has been in historically in disarray for most of the of the last, you know, uh, we 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 all been worried about them technologically, but technologically they're inferior in a lot of ways. Was the point? Do you yeah, do you, you know, agree with that? And I think a lot of military analysts are starting to reassess because uh, this uh, 
the Russian army had this sense of invincibility because they they picked on smaller fry like the Georgians and the Moldovans and so on, and they kicked their ass. And so it looked like, wow, you know, they've got a formidable force. Putin has invested in uh, next gen technology like supersonic plane, uh, supersonic missiles and planes. Uh, and so, again, the, 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 before Ukraine, the, this was the big worry that 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 actually Russia was going to be ahead of the West on some of this technology. And, of course, their cyber uh, cyber technology is is either second to none or, or at par with the Americans. So uh, that was the that was the narrative until this. And then you got like a 60 kilometer long uh, convoy stalled. Yeah, uh, it, it just it, I think the, it's it's really bad for the Russian uh, kind of sense of superiority to see this not be wrapped up in 72 hours, which is right. obviously what they expect. And, and those guys are getting no food. They have no gas. So they're going to become disgruntled. The only thing that scares me about that dimension of if, if his militarily, if the army starts to drown, then he's more likely to push that button. That's it's, one thing. It's a that, worry. Yeah. I'd say uh, yeah. a big worry. You know, when you talk about information we we're talking about earlier, you know, Facebook, social media shut down there. There is good communication. I think you touched on it a second ago. When a Russian can't use their visa or they go to watch Netflix and all of a sudden none of this stuff works. I mean, that's good messaging. Something, mm-hmm. Something's going on here. Right? Yeah, and there is a mm-hmm. class of Russians that are cosmopolitan, right? Yeah. Uh, the, you know, that uh, are in the world outside of Russia uh, and are are used to uh, hanging around Dubai or do going to the F ones and doing these kinds of things and all of that all of a sudden they can't use their Visa or Mastercard anymore mm-hmm. outside oh, yeah. of Russia uh, that's a that's a big hit so uh, it's yeah, interesting right you that. say that because what what where where the Russians are winning the information or disinformation you know a game they're winning it inside of Russia with the average Russian that story Fred had about you know the 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 woman in Ukraine talking to her parents in Russia and her parents think that Vladimir Putin's on the side of, you know, you know, justice and whatever. But the, 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 the higher class population, the people that are traveling, as you say, they know what's going on. And 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 maybe that's where this is all going to break down for Putin is because unlike the 1930s, information travels at the speed you know, at, at an unprecedented speed. So at, at some point, the information is going to filter down to those parents mm-hmm. you were talking about, Fred. It just yeah. has to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, you know, as I know, as you know, I had on my podcast last week, uh, Vladimir Milov, who is a Russian dissident. Uh, and uh, he was the he's the right hand of Alexei Navalny, who's the main opposition leader to Putin in Russia. He's he was poisoned, then jailed by Putin. Uh, and uh, Milov uh, was optimistic that uh, people were starting to get the message. He's a YouTube star. Him and Navalny have three million mm-hmm. subscribers on YouTube. Wow. So, you know, they're using modern technology within Russia to uh, circumvent the uh, the restrictions. And then this week on my podcast, if I may be so bold. Please, uh, we I have, love uh, this new Tony. Yeah, love, yeah, Tony's yeah. plugging Yuri. another thing podcast, people. Yeah, <laughs> and another thing podcast. So we have Yuri Polakiewski, who's an old friend of mine from the early 90s. He's a mm. Ukrainian-Canadian uh, who then left Canada to live full-time in Ukraine uh, wow. about eight years ago. He's a journalist uh, and, a, and a writer, and uh, I we contacted him. He was in Lviv, yeah, and uh, so he's kind of at the west end of, of Ukraine, 
but had spent time in Kharkiv and Kiev, uh, and he's got family in Kharkiv as well. So he was giving us an on-the-ground report. And I, sa- I asked him, I said, you know, w- give us a scenario where if Putin takes over the country, uh, you know, this, is there going to be guerrilla warfare? You know, how, how does it work? And he said, and he, he said Putin is not going to take over our country. I mean, he, he really honestly wow. believes the Ukrainians right. can fight these guys off. It's, it, it's fascinating. Wow. We well, asked you, a great story? Uh, Fred asked you yeah. about meeting uh, Vladimir Putin. Have you ever met Zelensky? No, I, I've met Medvedev, who was president of Russia for about four years when Putin was prime minister. And then he did. Putin didn't like that idea. So then he made it. He made sure he could be president for life uh, after that. So I, when we hosted the G8 in Muskoka, it was actually uh, Russia was part of the, the G8 at that time before they were kicked out after Crimea. And uh, Medvedev was the uh, fellow uh, that was representing Russia rather than Putin. So but that's but the, 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 the guy in charge of the Ukraine, does he surprise you that this, he's yeah. a young 44-year-old guy? I mean, former comedian of some kind. Like, what do you know, like, when they yeah. say he's a stand-up comic, like, what, what, was he, did he, what kind of entertainer was he in Ukraine? He had a sitcom, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like one of the most Seinfeld? popular sitcoms, yeah. Wait a second. So well, Jerry go, Seinfeld's in on, charge of the. Get out there. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a second. Jerry Seinfeld's in charge of the Ukrainian people. Now is yeah. that what you're saying? It used to be a show about nothing. Now it's a show about everything. I guess. Wow. But, uh, I know. I, yeah. And and obviously uh, he rode that to success. Uh, he was an outsider. Like when he came in, he was the guy saying, "You're all corrupt." Uh, you're all doing disservice to the nation. We need to get a big broom in there and sweep you all away. And right. that's why he was elected. And uh, not many people had a lot. Of, I mean, they kind of saw it as a bit of a joke, you know. And uh, But, hey, people rise to the occasion or they don't. And in this case, he has. Well, you know, I was thinking about Trump, too. When he was uh, the campaign seemed like a bit of a joke, and we, Fred said it, I said it at the time in 2016. Who knows? Once he's elected, maybe he'll surprise all of us and rise to the occasion. And I've been thinking about that recently because here's a guy. Forget what his background is, but he has risen. This is what rising to the occasion looks like. Yes. Well, he's a, decent, what, he's, he's a decent human being, you can tell. Yeah. And Donald Trump isn't. And, and it just gives you a, a sense of how Trump didn't rise to the occasion, mm-hmm. whatever the occasion yeah. was. Yeah, I mean, you, you, a unifier rather than divider, right? Right. And uh, that's how I, how I define rising to the occasion, as well as showing uh, some, some big uh, cojones, obviously. And yeah, I, I, this is a... This is just a personal thought, but I think it's really interesting how, uh, you know, people are swooning over uh, Kalensky a little bit, uh, and he's showing a sense of um, masculinity we haven't seen for a while. It's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we've heard this term toxic masculinity, and I, I think that's you know, men, and this is International Women's Day, so I feel yeah. like I can talk about is this. It? Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah. Well, I'm surprised. Uh, that, you know, know that. some, I mean, some men use their masculinity in a in a terrible, horrible way, and yes. uh, that should be uh, condemned, and we should educate that out of our kids, and so on. But you know, there is a case to be made that sometimes men use their masculinity to protect people, their families, their community, and that's what Zelensky is showing. Well, look what he did yesterday. He he let them know where he is. No, I know it's crazy. Let- no, I, I mean. You know, when you put yourself in the position, easy to say, sitting here in Brampton at my age. But just think, if you're 
it, it's not a leap to think if your country is threatened, you get that attitude, fuck you, I'll die for this. Honestly. Because this is everything I'm about, my family's about, my history, my heritage. Like, I totally get that. And that's the position he's in now. Like, yeah. you, know, I mean, you have it, to it, take it, me out. It's easy to say that, you know, mm-hmm. again, being, you know, three guys in their 60s. You know, right? But I, I saw that yesterday. I, I felt the same thing. But I just wondered, you know, if I was the president, would I be taking selfies in my office? Hey, Vladimir, <laughs> this is where I am. Uh, Tony Clement, as you heard, hosts on another thing podcast, and uh, I just really appreciate your constant contribution to this program. You are yes. our number one senior senior correspondent. Uh, emeritus, um, whatever be whatever's after senior professor. We certainly appreciate your perspective. We will be uh, contacting you soon. You'll be back. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we should have you on every other week now. I mean, this is really Tony. This is the always time. An honor. Well, we appreciate yeah, always that. an honor, my friends, and you. Uh, you run a great uh, broadcast yourselves, and it's just such an honor to be a part of it. Oh, well, stop. thank. Well, thank you. I mean, we do have time for you to continue that. Obviously, <laughs> there's always. I mean, we have breathing problems. Tony Clement, everyone, and another thing podcast. See you, pal. Uh, what great perspective. Thank you, my friend. Uh, we already mentioned that Tony was the uh, Gig Sky guest of the day, but also, Fred, let's tell people about this fine thing. This fine thing called the Chambers Plan, Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan, Canada's number one group benefits plan for small business. Listen, I can tell you about this every day, but the best plan of action, people, go to chamberplan.ca, find out what it's all about, get a free quote today. Oh, yeah. Just give them the information about your company. They'll come back at you with what the premium will be. You will be pleasantly surprised it can be done. Small business can uh, be part of a benefits package because this is what it's all about. A bunch of small businesses together. Create the image of a big business and then you can keep costs down. And man, they've done a good job of keeping premiums down over the past several years. Yes, they have. Chamberplan.ca. Go there today. A lot of testimonials. Other uh, small businesses. Their names are right there. How it's worked for them. Educate yourself today. Chamberplan.ca. Uh, very nice. Dan Duran rejoins this program now, already in progress. Dan Duran's News Today, brought to you by Canna Cabana. Join the Canna Cabana Club. Get 70% off uh, the best THC for the lowest prices. CannaCabana.com. Now, here's to a fella named Dan Duran, a hell of a guy with a hella big wang, the quintessential anchor man. His voice is nice and low. Huh. Dan Duran, the anchorman, comes as for credentials he has none. Can't tell a headline from his bum, but his voice is nice and low. Dan Duran, the anchorman's here, he's prone to falling off his chair, but he's got a big wang, so he don't care, and his voice is nice and low. My voice is nice and low. And now, live from Lakeside. With Humble and Fred news, views and headlines, reports and other things. <laughs> and other things. <laughs> Here he is with his look at the news. News. It's news. news. Remember yes. We, remember we, yes. Hey, Dan, did you hear that we, uh, we have breathing problems? That you have? I heard that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Even, even I have. Even a, the great Dan Duran. Yeah. By I the way, did it again. Did you... Um, I remember that being one of the first things we learned in radio, or I learned anyway, was to not was to how to pronounce the news, news, 
News. Remember that? News, yeah. The news, news. at noon. Mm-hmm. Not the news, the news not the news. <laughs> the news. Well, yeah. all those people that told us those things, they're all dead now. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Dan Duran are you supposed to, Aren't you supposed to put the, the, your tongue to the roof of your mouth for, <laughs> to prevent the breathing thing? I like, don't know. Breathe. <sighs> well, yeah, but you breathe with the... the <laughs> you to breathe or you die. Breathe or you die. <laughs> Humble and Fred, breathe or die. <laughs> Uh, Dan Duran's news today brought to you by Canada yeah. Cabana. Here's Dan Duran. Gas is now a precious or liquid. Nice. The price of gas has gone up 25% a, 25 cents a liter in the last week. Uh, and while the price of diesel, it also went up 40 cents. Yeah. Week over week. In Ontario, the average price right now is around a buck ninety. In British Columbia, it's around two oh nine. Two bucks nine cents in in Vancouver Greater uh, Greater, greater Vancouver area. Uh, Dan McTagg, who's uh, he's the guy behind uh, uh, GasWizard.ca. Uh, he thinks it's a, it could reach as high as a, a two twenty liter in Ontario and two fifty in places like Ontario before it uh, starts to recede. Say that again. How much? Two twenty in Ontario. Two twenty oh. a liter. And then you said Ontario again, but two fifty where? Oh, in Vancouver. Oh, in I'm sorry, Vancouver. did I say that? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I How told do you I the get price to the trailer. <laughs> you just stay there. Um, <laughs> just, just stay there. Let, I, I told you the the price in Palm Springs with the conversion was seven dollars a liter. Yeah. According to yeah. Fred. Yeah. Because yeah. I was paying like f- almost five dollars. No, 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 a no, 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 no. The conversion it's seven dollars a liter. Uh, a seven gallon dollars a gallon. Okay. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's right. Far off in California, you're right. Yeah, but mm-hmm. five dollars a gallon is what right. we were paying, basically. Which is the highest ever, highest it's yeah, ever man. been ever, ever, yeah. ever. Yeah, guys, follow me on, on this one. I, I've always been amused by this. So you pull into a gas station, and the, and gas is like at the time like a buck thirty a liter. And you're thinking, Jesus Christ, a buck thirty a liter? You got to be kidding! Then you go into the little um, convenience store that's attached to the gas place and you reach for a liter of water and pay like 3.99 yeah just exa- think about that <laughs> no exactly right? you bitch about yeah. the gas being 184 and then you go buy a liter of water for 3.99 when are they gonna when's that price gonna meet i wonder mm. or do the gas stations think jesus christ we got to keep water above gas <laughs> yeah like it's just so bizarre that concept anyway. you know what's also bizarre is uh <laughs> and i don't want to hijack your great Analysis, but there's just so much of it. It's hard to take it all in. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> but one thing I do notice about living in America for the last month is just how much what what they serve and what's available to eat at the average gas station convenience place. Oh no, I know. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. There's, I mean, Dan. I don't know if you remember this, but you, you know, there's like a wine section. <laughs> There's there's a wine section in the Circle K gas station. I was this is true. I was at a 7-Eleven gas bar outside of uh, L.A., so east of L.A., about an hour out of the city, at stop for gas, and uh, we both went in there, went to the washroom. But you could have like you could get a pie, you could get a bottle of red, you could get uh, sandwiches. <laughs> hmm. 
Anyway. At your local uh, Chevron. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and those hot dogs that are on the rollers all day long. No, no, but they have def- no, not just the hot dogs, man. They have some nice food there. I mean, and listen, oh. I know my 7-Eleven food. They've got yeah, a whole different class. <laughs> They've got a whole yeah. different class. Uh, all right, Dan Duran, <laughs> yeah. we need to wrap up the news because we've got interview well, time. Right, yeah. It's almost okay. interview time. Hang on. More news. Breaking news with Dan Duran's news. Deliveries from space. Deliveries from space. An American company called Inversion is developing tech to store stuff in space and then deliver it from above. Oh, nice. So with all that space junk floating around up there, now they're thinking of like storing stuff in space for a few years. And when you need it, uh, you know, like it'd come down. They've got a prototype now that sort of looks like a a flying saucer and they want to make it like about four feet wide. Mm -hmm. And um, then it has a parachute when it comes from space and then it drops somewhere close. I guess it's for, you know, they imagine that, you know, maybe some, you know, artificial organs could be dropped. And, you know, if you need an organ for somebody in an operation that's artificial uh, or. Well, well, why? why, I'm sorry. Why are you storing it in like I'm I'm only I'm just confused. So you're saying like. We've run out of places to put our stuff here. So, like, if you're moving out of one place and you want to downsize, I'm sending my couch into space. <laughs> Is that what yeah. I'm doing now? And if I want yeah. it, I have to access my space couch? Yeah. <laughs> okay. You know, well, there's Dan, a lot of space in space. So. Not, not true. That's true. And, but it's and, also, I think it has to do with... Is it only a dollar for the first month? <laughs> <laughs> and you know it's it's like one of those places you see on the highway it's one dollar a month <laughs> i always think to myself why don't people just rent that and live there yeah in What's the storage the places because they're so cheap yeah <laughs> <laughs> so yes no they're uh, i guess guess the whole point is that it's faster to ah. get it to certain parts of the planet that's their vision okay uh, yeah uh, young uh, they're under 25 uh the, the two guys that came up with this and they've been working on well it. they're it's young doing it up and you know who knows it, it may or may young. not work they're so young yeah. uh dan duran thank you for your time we got a lot of yeah, people here great, yeah we got to get going special times by the way can just mention something real quick. Of course. Uh, of course the, you uh, Zelensky show, the yes. Zelensky show that he was on, he was about um, a, I think it was a sitcom, but it was about him, uh, as an average school teacher, becoming president. Oh, I see. So Very cool. He played the role of president on the show, and then he became the real president. Isn't that wild? Isn't that wild? Yeah. Yeah, we should, uh, Dan, that's good uh, investigative reporting. Let's find out more about Vlad- Vladimir, Vladimir Zelensky's sitcom. Simply called Zelensky, kind of like Seinfeld. Uh, there's Dan Duran. Thank you, my friend. Okay. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Dan. Well, we're. Uh, it's going to be interesting here. Um, I think. In, uh, uh, hi, Anna. I, are you? Do you have two accounts entering the? Um, here, just turn your because uh, I've got somebody else that says Firefly at Note Taker. <laughs> that's my a. That's my AI. Ignore that guy. He's okay, so I can <laughs> I can get rid of that one. Yes, absolutely. Okay, because that was freaking me out. Yeah, uh, it and freaks I, everybody out. Well, you know what it is? We're we're all so used to doing these shows on Zoom, and I'm sure in your world doing uh, meetings and such, but. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to basically, you're here now. So Fireflies, AI, I'm getting rid of that one. I hope yes, it doesn't I remove you. Uh, remove that, remove it. 
Uh, don't report. Anna is the founder and CEO of Total Mom Inc. Now, today is uh, International Women's Day. So it's fantastic having you on. And I did some research, not just about your company, Total Moms, but there's um, a lot of stuff in the news today about the inequity in, yeah. in with women in the workplace and how we are making strides, but still it's an uphill journey. Um, yeah. Maybe you can talk at the beginning a little bit about your journey, and then we can have a little chat about how Total Mom and GoDaddy, how you guys are all sort of integrated. And I know that's probably a horrible introduction, but by way of saying, uh, Anna, it's not. Anna it's welcome not. to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Um, this is actually a special way to kick off International Women's Day, chatting with you guys. And um, yeah, I, I honestly, there's, there is so much wrong with, you know, the inequality situation and I think for myself personally, um, Canada is my third country. So I'm a two-time immigrant. I was a refugee. I was the first woman in my uh, family to go to college, then university. From and where, Anna? Where are you from? Ukraine and then Israel and then Canada. So for me, it was it wasn't something where I grew up and my parents were like, you're going to own a business like that wasn't even like a conversation that we were having. But I think, you know, having, you know, having no money to inject into a business is a really uh, big challenge for women. Mm-hmm. Um, it, only 5% of women in Canada, or I think even might be even less, actually make it to a million dollars. And um, a lot of that has to do with the funding ecosystem here in Canada. And it also has a lot to do with the fact that women are less likely to be invested in. Right. It's craziness. Um, your success with Total Mom Incorporated, like it's been recognized as Canada's fastest growing community network for mom entrepreneurs, uh, recently featured in Forbes, just awarded the top 100 most powerful women in Canada. And you've done this all with two kids at home. Yeah. How, uh, well, <laughs> do how they do appreciate it? it? How did you become so big? And what exactly is, you know, Total Mom? Thank you. I mean... So first and foremost, it was a lot of work and it still is. Uh, Being a CEO and founder of a media brand and social enterprise is absolutely no joke. Um, And I actually went into this um, with just this like idea of doing a spinoff of a baby show because I saw that there were a lot of just shopping experiences for moms and there were a lot of like things that moms could do for the baby. And so I thought, well, what about things for moms? Like, what are we doing on a meaningful and deep level for moms? And so I started Canada's um, first uh, holistic festival for moms. We had over a thousand moms come out. Wow. And it started like a festival. And now it's a full blown media brand where we create programs, signature events um, and work with big brands like GoDaddy uh, to help mom entrepreneurs take their business and turn it into a full blown company. You know, we've been in business uh, for ourselves you know, we've been working together a long time, but we've owned our own business now to our 11th year. And we can relate to how difficult it is for anyone to get anything started. And then yeah. in the context of the, uh, the idea that women have more trouble getting investment, et cetera, et cetera. What are some of the things that you find that are holding back moms from building their business? And, and maybe you can just say f- from anyone, you know, it's a, it's a tough road to start a business what advice do you have for parents or moms looking to start something well first and foremost in today's 
day and age, you have to be online. And I think one of the difficult things and what the pandemic really kind of posed in in front of all of us is that, you know, we have to have a much stronger online presence now. And people need to kind of get that as soon as they get onto your online pages and your socials and your space. But moms in particular, um, they don't have as much time. There are a lot of more challenges and barriers to getting your business set up. So they need tools and um, just like software or other support systems that can get them there faster. Mm-hmm. That's why we partnered up with GoDaddy. It's they just they're a one stop shop and they help entrepreneurs get online much faster. It's it's a lot. It's it's a lot of work. So I feel like moms just I don't know, we between childcare and trying mm-hmm. to figure it out and all the mm-hmm. lack of sleep and everything, it, it's challenging. Yeah, I guess so. Kids. <laughs> You're, it's hard. <laughs> it's so hard. No, but, but you're moving forward, obviously. Uh, on the horizon, the Total Mum Summit, a membership yes. platform launching this spring. What's all that about? Yeah, so um, first we have the Total Mom Business Summit, which is mm-hmm. happening on May 30th and May 31st. And it's like the go-to virtual business summit for mom entrepreneurs that are looking to grow and scale their business get access to funding, be the first to know where grants are in Canada, um, and essentially learn from people like GoDaddy, Google, Pinterest, all of those big brands that are credible. And so what I really wanted to do is I wanted to take really credible uh, experts and brands and bring that in front of these moms so that they're not just getting lost in the saturated online market where everyone claims to be this like overnight guru mm-hmm, that right. can get them to six, seven figures. So I wanted to bring credibility back. The other thing is Canada's total mom pitch is our it's actually our third annual right now it's our national cross canada pitch competition where mom moms who own a business can apply for a chance to win the thirty thousand dollar grand prize as well as all the top 100 and every applicant essentially goes under our wing and we help them get started whether it's figure out how to build a business plan or get connected with funding. So it's really important to me. Um, And then, yeah, we're launching a membership in the springtime where moms can have uh, like an annual investment into a membership where there's accountability and coaches and people that can like walk them through it. Because Mm -hmm. I find that as a mom, we don't have as much time to like go online and learn shit. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you, it's fascinating, nope. and I'm and I'm so glad Sorry. that you're on today. No problem. Yeah, it's no problem. It's a humble and French show. You know, and if you've, ever, you, you've never heard we're of us, of but we're foul, <laughs> we're horrible men. Um, I will tell you though that it's great to have you on, especially today. Thank you. Um, again, as me, as parents ourselves, grandparents, uh, we know how much work children are, and yet yes. you've accomplished all this. Um, with kids and you're helping others do the same before we wrap up and I, I guess people understand that you know Total Moms is in business with GoDaddy and others and we're in business with GoDaddy maybe you can all you can bring it all together and Anna uh, and explain why it's so important to team up with brands like GoDaddy for someone like you yeah for sure so um, like I said earlier being a mom is a lot of work and so we need someone to help us get there faster so I partnered up with GoDaddy because not only are we kind of on the same mission of helping entrepreneurs but they provide programs and they help entrepreneurs set up their online campaigns their websites and all of the stuff that like essentially every total mom is going to need and they're also a huge company so they're a credible company and so partnering up with something like that helps moms come to us too and then when they get in here they know they're in the right place because we've got and we bring 
the stuff that they actually are going to val- get value from. So we're really excited to work with GoDaddy. This is our first year um, and we're working with a lot of amazing and incredible brands. So sometimes I have a pinch me moment and I'm like, how did I, how did I pull this off? But well, cause you're a hard worker. I will leave everyone with a tip. And especially mm-hmm. if you're a parent, if you're a dad or a mom, I will leave you with one really, really like, secret golden nugget and and that is is get a support system even if you think that you cannot afford a nanny or you cannot afford a babysitter or you cannot afford this or that you can trust me it will exponentially like change your world if you can just put support systems in place and like get rid of the mom and dad guilt and then get people to help wherever they can that's like the biggest step to get you to actually you can't scale if you don't have any time or any focus so um yeah that's a I would tip. say just get support systems in place. Anna Sinclair well is the founder and CEO of Total Mom Inc. And Total Mom is powered by GoDaddy. See, Daddy and Mom. It works. It all works. Mm-hmm. And Anna, right? thank, thank <laughs> you so much for uh, hanging in with us today. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks so much for the opportunity. And uh, yeah, let everybody know if they want to apply for Canada's Total Mom Pitch, which is powered by GoDaddy. Uh, they just head over to TotalMomPitch.ca. Total all right. Time. Listen, man, and happy uh, International Women's Day. Thanks. I'm going to uh, the Leafs game. I'm taking out 20 total moms. What? What? To the Leafs game tonight, yeah. But but don't you want to do something to celebrate? Mm -hmm. That is celebrating. I mean, a hockey game, beer, pizza. Uh, Wayne Simmons is being announced as the, I think it's his thousandth game. So they're doing like a big Wayne Simmons thing. Oh, nice. Yes, it's going to be fantastic. And you get to see the Kraken. Mm -hmm. I get to see the Kraken. (laughs) All the best to you, Anna. Thank you so much. Have a great day, guys. Yeah, that was great. Okay, Anna. Fantastic. Anna St. Clair. There you go. There you go, my friends. Isn't it funny when you speak to an achiever? You can just feel it. Yeah. No, I know. It's quite something. Uh-huh. And good for her. You know, I, yeah, I, uh, I'd say. Especially with kids, man. It's Well, your daughter just is, is going through it, having a six mm-hmm. and a nine-year-old. and I'm just getting our next guest lined up here. Hang on a second. Yes, it's a uh, quite a job. It is. Kids. Mm-hmm. You know, because women tend to be the default all the time, too. Guys think they're really pitching in. Oh, no, I know. Kids. But know. at the end of the day, to use that term again, it's, oh, yeah. you know, it's always mom. You no, know, exactly. It's always mom. It really is. Um, as part of uh, Mining Week here on the show, although it's really mostly a mining couple of days, once upon a time, there was more to investing than hitting buy on tech stocks like Facebook and Amazon. Now, with a ramp up in global uncertainty that it has investors seeking safe havens in gold and other commodity stocks like uh, stocks, I should say, companies like Geodrill are getting a second lingering look. Today, we've got Geodrill's limited chief executive officer, Dave Harper, who's wondering, how did I get on the Humble and Fred show? <laughs> He's uh, here to talk about drilling on the back of what looks like a stellar set of year-end results. Hello, David. How are you? Hi. How, how, how are we doing? We're fantastic. Uh, before we get into some of your recent news, you're Australian, running a company focused on West Africa, but listed here on the Toronto Stock Exchange. Is that right? And if it is, where are you calling us from today? So uh, I'm an Australian. Uh, you might have picked by my accent. Um, 
I uh, am uh, here in Accra, Ghana, uh, in West Africa. This is uh, wow. this is where I where I live, and it's where I run the business from. Uh, I've lived here with my family for about twenty five years. Wow! About ten years ago, uh, we we took this company public on the on the Toronto uh, main board, and we've enjoyed a good run uh, since. So, yeah. Well, gold is something that people have flocked to in the past in times of crisis and instability, and we're staring that in the face right now. How do you benefit from an increase in gold prices, other than the other? So in times of uncertainty, uh, Mm -hmm. such as we are seeing now, investors flock to safe haven assets. Gold has proven itself over time to be the best uh, safe haven asset of them all. Mm -hmm. um, But even before the, the recent Ukraine uh, Russia uh, conflict. Uh, gold was actually already doing well. Uh, mm-hmm. It's uh, you know because it's also a hedge against inflation. So gold tends to move in lockstep with inflation. Uh, if investors think inflation is going high, they tend to buy gold, or they invest in gold somehow, either by buying physical gold or buying gold ETFs or buying gold. Uh, mining companies, exploration companies, or picks and shovels businesses. Um, so anyway, look for a variety of reason uh, reasons. It's a perfect storm for for gold at the moment. I'm just going to quickly. I, I can't share my chart with you, but this is mm-hmm. uh, U.S. Uh, national uh, debt. As you can see, we're now now ceiling at just north of thirty million, uh, thirty trillion uh, U.S. dollars. And if I wind that back to 2012, we were kind of uh, I don't know. Looks like about seven or eight. So it's 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 massive what's going on at the moment. And so gold tends to benefit uh, from from you know from times of uncertainty and inflation. Now, geodrill is a mineral mineral driller. We're a typical picks and shovel type business. Mineral drillers are a great way for investors uh, to invest in the mining space because we speak for the largest of exploration mining budgets. Well, you, but you don't produce gold, but you help others drill for it. Now, what kind of companies do you work for? Uh, you're correct. Uh, so we we work for mining companies, exploration companies, and intermediate uh, junior exploration mining companies. So pretty much the full uh, the full suite of services can be provided to uh, the full the full business model. Um, so some background on that. Sorry, that's my my notification. Sorry, some background on that is that. Uh, all, uh, all commercial mining operations are preceded by many years of exploration, with little or no exceptions. On average, it takes about eight to ten years to prove up uh, a mine before it can be mined. Um, West Africa's mining industry has been growing steadily uh, over the years. Um, Ghana uh, recently overtook South Africa as the largest producer on the African continent. And actually, here's a fun fact for you. If you tallied up all the production from West Africa and from the West African gold producing nations, most of which we operate in, collectively, it would be 370,000 ounces uh, per year. And that would actually make West Africa the second largest Hmm. producer in the world, slightly just ahead of Australia. So Hmm. investors that are not in West Africa uh, are, are missing a substantial piece of the pie is really the point that I'm making there. So with everything going on, this impending world conflict, uh, do you expect more companies to explore for gold? Like, is this going to blow up, so to speak? And what's that mean for you? 
short answer is yes, I do. Uh, yeah. we're, we're actually in we're actually in the first innings of an upcycle. Okay, mm-hmm. um, I say that with some confidence as, as we're coming off a seven year down cycle. So the thing you need to know is that gold exploration is a cyclical business. Right. Um, the cycles tend to mirror each other, each other either side of the parabolic. Uh, so all things being equal, if we're coming off a, a seven-year down cycle, then essentially we're now, if we're, and if we're in the first innings, as I say, uh, we're essentially at the precipice of what will be a, a long up cycle, hopefully, I don't know, five, six uh, years. And, and it's really only just getting, getting started. Um, Last year, Isn't it interesting, of- though? I mean, the, we, we've had a, a bunch of discussions, as I'm sure you have, uh, but we've yeah. had some people on the show today talking about the scenario in the Ukraine and, and upsides and downsides. And yet, as you've said, you know, this this cycle of instability has been going on for some time, inflation and debt. And yet your company, Geodrill, you guys have just reported a 40% jump in revenue. How did you manage that during all of this? Or is, is this instability partly what's driving people going to gold, as you say? Well, um, strong demand for our, our drilling rigs uh, drives, drives strong revenues. Uh, drive, strong revenues drive strong, strong num- numbers. It, it's, it's simply a numbers game. And as demand increases, we increase the size of the rig fleet. So we draw more meters, we generate more revenue, and we, we essentially have managed uh, one thing we've, I think we've done fairly well, very well actually, is, is we've managed to maintain uh, margin growth at the same time as we in, in lockstep with, with revenue growth. So uh, last year, by example, we added added uh, three three rigs. Looking at the current demand as, as we see it, uh, we're we're adding seven rigs this year to to meet uh, to meet that incoming demand. Yeah, and you've signed some pretty big contracts lately, which obviously is great for business. And one of those contracts expanded into Egypt. Why is Egypt a good area? Well, in recent times, we've been growing up, we've been growing out, and we saw that we did we did that because we saw the need to diversify. Right. Uh, Egypt uh, is is expanding its gold mining production profile, so so we obviously like uh, Egypt. It's it's a great place to do business. Uh, that particular contract is the largest contract ever signed in this company's history. It's with uh, it's with sentiment, uh, you know, a very mm-hmm. well established name in in Egypt. So yeah, I mean, for us, there's nothing not to like about about Egypt. We've also expanded recently into South America, Peru specifically, and but this was more of a to diversify uh, our our commodity uh, split. We we were drilling a lot for EV these days. You know, mm-hmm. uh, look out your window and you'll see a lot more Teslas and mm-hmm. uh, EV, EVs on the road. Well, all of the EV metals, be it nickel, be it uh, zinc, be it copper. They've got to come from somewhere. And where do they come from? Well, there's never, never a mine out there that found itself. They, they, they all got to be drilled. You know, it's funny you said about EVs. I just came back from California. I forgot to mention this to Fred. I've never seen so many. I mean, we live in a big city here in Toronto, but I like it's amazing the amount of EVs on the road in California. But let's finish up by talking about this. You know, the, the, one of the reasons you're promoting Geodrill is to let people know that you know, this is a stock. It's on a steady climb. It's up more than 30% since the start of the year. It's around 270 a share now. Is this still a good buy for investors at, at this level? Well, it's a, it's a, it's a good point. Um, the, the stock has done very well. But to be fair, uh, our revenue is also up 40%. However, DAR, 
uh, is up 55% and our net income is up 88%. So really, in relative terms, we're actually cheaper today than we've ever been. Are you? Uh, we are. Yeah, no, we totally are. I mean, relative to our peers, this stock trades at uh, a three times EBITDA multiple. We don't wow. even trade at one year's revenue. And yet, if we, we want to run a direct comparison against that, then we always use the name Major Drilling, great drilling company with a lot of history, but they traded at an eight to ten times multiple. Uh, so I'm not taking anything away from them. As I say, they are a great company and they should command a high multiple, but so is Geodrill. Geodrill is a great company. This is a company that's got uh, 24 years of history and uh, 11 years of being tra- trading on the, on the Toronto uh, main board. And uh, we have... We have really delivered through through the down cycles and now entering the up cycle. This is a company that has delivered evident, evidently by yesterday's results, and we will continue to deliver as we as we move deeper into this up cycle. Well, listen, my friend, you've uh, gotten our interest, uh, especially in learning a little bit more about Geodrill, the uh, Chief Executive Officer, David Harper. Thanks for taking some time this morning, and uh, all the best to you, all the best to your company, and I uh, hope you enjoyed your time with us today. Thanks, guys. Have Thanks, a great Dave. Day. Thank you, Dave. There's, a, Thanks, there's David Harper. There's a guy with a grown-up job. Thanks, Dave. Just let yourself out. There's a guy. And he lives in Ghana. Job. I wonder what the food's like in Ghana. Whenever I hear about places like that, I think, hmm, what are they eating? Yeah, I had some... Uh, I've had some African food um, a few times. It's very, very tasty. And, and they, <laughs> I'm married to one. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I don't know. The, the, the type of food I had uh, was that, uh, that type of bread. It's, uh, it's, maybe it wasn't, it wasn't South African. It was African, Guyanese, I think. Anyway, it was, it, it, you, you eat with your hands. You take the bread and you use it as it's a... non bread? Non? No, it wasn't non. It's, a, it's called uh, doja or something like that. It doesn't matter. <laughs> oh. Anyway, all I know I is know. it was I... very tasty, but it went through me very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. Know. It's a cleanser. Yes, it was very cleansing. Uh, by the way, there I, I'm telling you, it reminded me. I've never forget Tesla. There's lots of Teslas where I was, but I'm I'm not just talking about Palm Springs. I'm talking about between LA and Palm Springs. There just so many more electric vehicles on the road on the road than. I mean, we see them here in Toronto, but not at this level. It's yes. uh, it's quite something. Yes, the wave of the future. The wave of the future. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, like a lot of things that happen in California first. Um, and I'm talking about lots of trends. This goes back to the 80s when Dan and I lived in California. You know, this even the idea of not smoking in restaurants. They banned smoking in restaurants long before it came here. Like, I think even in the time that we lived there, Dan, in the mid yeah. to late 80s, like, it was already starting to be a thing where it took 15 more years for it to happen here yeah well they've done a lot of things in the uh, you know a lot of a lot of car stuff because there's such there's such a yeah a glut of i mean it's the car capital right it's a a whole whole environment that that state has been built up around the car so especially los angeles so the 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 you know gas emission standards you know come came out of california yeah i'm not sure seatbelts did but a lot of stuff really. no that's a really good point that all those uh, emissions things that happened there first and uh, again the point being that you know the amount of ev electric vehicles i saw there 
was definitely noticeable versus here. Oh, here we Is go. Is that what they're saying in California? EV? You can just say electric vehicle. So Why? But it's talk. easier to say EV. Why would you say electric vehicles? It's too long. I don't know, but it just sounds cool. EV. Uh, yeah. Okay, well. well what, you know what? You know what? I, I, you call them whatever you want to call them. No, no. Now I know what EV is. When you first said it, I was like, what's he talking about? And then, oh, okay, electric vehicle. So now yeah. it's part of the Hummel and Fred vernacular. <laughs> now it's yeah. locked in. Versus, yes. versus ED, which is also part of it. It's <laughs> <laughs> ah, funny because it's true. <laughs> Um, anyway, Dan, Fred, there's a lot of stuff today, and, and I promise tomorrow there's a few won't things. Won't be as much it. stuff? I don't think there'll be as much stuff. I had another story about Jerry Mathers and his feet. <laughs> what about him? I thought of you when I saw the commercial. You know who Jerry Mathers is, Dan? No idea. Yes, you really? do. Is that a golfer? No, no. he's the beaver. The Played beaver. the beaver. He was the on beaver. Leave it to beaver. Oh, on leave I it never to watched beaver. That's that not part I of never, my childhood. Why were you not allowed to watch it in your in your religious home? It was it because I don't of the know content? If channel, <laughs> channel two or channel four had it when I grew up. No, yeah. but in Dan's house, it was because his name was the beaver. Dear Jesus, okay. let me watch the beaver, please. <laughs> That's another word for a snarch. You're not watching that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, we so Jerry Mathers was the beaver. Okay. And that was a show called Leave It to Beaver back in the 60s. I remember that. Okay. Because of the word beaver. So I was watching golf, and I see this commercial, and it's uh, I sort of have it on um, quietly at that point. I wasn't sure who I was seeing, Fred, and what he was talking about, but I see this older gentleman with bad feet, and he's talking about this device where you put your feet in a... Mm. I think it's like a massage thing, and it makes your feet circulate better. And I'm like, wait a mm-hmm. second, that's the beaver. And I thought two yeah. things. I thought, oh, now look how old the beaver is. And secondly, I'm like, what's this thing about your feet? Because I got bad feet like the beaver. Jesus. Oh, so you're just, watching a. a I an thought maybe I should order what the beaver's got. Can't just as look seen at, on TV. As seen on TV. Thank you. Just think of that marketing uh, <laughs> meeting. It's like, you know, we got to get a star. Okay, let's get, uh, you know, Ted Danson. Nah, I can't afford that. Da, 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 da. Hey, how about the beaver? I think he's a, like, really. Have you seen the one, too? What's his name? Jimmy, whatever, the dino dynamite guy. He, he reads some thing for insurance, and it's just like, I had the same thought. Though that's what it's come to yeah. for him. What, what level, uh star can we afford here <laughs> that's right <laughs> and and you know what's the dynamite guy. And the funny thing you say that about the beaver commercial because it looks like it was shot you know by students like it's not <laughs> yeah. a slick you know they right. cut to him and it's I, again mm. i'm not sure if it's a foot massager or a foot bath but it's to help the circulation in your feet and at the beginning of the commercial the beaver's walking slow and he's not mm. feeling great because his feet because <laughs> his feet hurt <laughs> Wait, and then he puts his feet on this thing, and his feet feel better. And then the last part of the commercial, where the voiceover happens, mm-hmm. is it's all these shots of the beaver with, I guess, Mrs. Beaver, and they're doing gardening, and they're going for a walk, and they're sitting out in the back, and all of a sudden, his life has been handed back to him because oh, his good. feet mm-hmm. feel better. Mm-hmm. So again, I, I thought, well, it's come to this for the beaver. Secondly, maybe I should order the foot bath <laughs> mm-hmm. see, see I, it's, it's working it's working it for is, the it company worked, it worked for me 
Yeah, because they wanted somebody of your age, exactly and stature, to right. watch it. Yeah. And, and you remember the beaver, and if it's good enough for the beaver, yeah. it's good enough for right. me. He's seventy-two. Remember that old line to Howard? Cheese uh, word. You were pretty tough on the beaver. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> You're tough on the beaver is one of the great lines. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, here's the uh, commercial. It said, uh, oh, no, my ad blockers. But it's, uh, let me just disable on this site. <laughs> so um, child star Jerry Mathers suffers from leg and foot pain that stopped him from living his life. He turned to Revitive to get back to moving and doing the things he loves. It's a uh, commercial for Revitive. Revitive. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, they got the beaver to do it. I wonder what the beaver charged. Maybe the beaver said, just get my face on TV again. I'll do it for nothing. <laughs> no. <laughs> He's like, I, my legs hurt. What do you got? What do you got for me? Yeah. <laughs> Hey, my my legs don't work anymore. That's got to be marketable somehow. Somebody's got to pay for that. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody's I, I got just, a product. I just imagine he refers to himself as the beaver in the third person all the time. He's talking to his agent. Hey, my feet hurt. It's the beaver. The beaver's feet hurt. <laughs> got to be something. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> if you got something for the beaver's feet. <laughs> anyway, yeah. yeah, got me. Hey, listen, man. Got me thinking, Dan. You're right. My feet hurt. Maybe I should do what the beavers do. How are your feet, by the way? Because no, they're all right. Yeah, you know they, they, they have they taken over concern from your uh, penis. No, my penis was uh, first uh, in the fall. It was my feet hurt before I went to Italy. In the winter, my dink hurt because that was before I went to Palm Springs. Right now, I'm pretty much uh, foot pain and pen- penis hole pain free. Oh, huh. good. Yeah. Until the next thing comes along. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you know there's what? Something. There's going to be something. Okay, Mister. There's always something. Well, Plan yeah. a trip and you'll have a problem. So I'm like, I can't <laughs> hey, deny put it. Put that there, together. There is always something. I told you, I have inadvertent, I've lost fart control at this point. <laughs> that, I think well, it's psychosomatic every time you leave and maybe you're... I'm sorry. You're willing friend, I, I know, Yeah, it's psychosomatic. What did you want to say? I've been on <laughs> six weeks of antibiotics because of my brain. Um, what were you going to say there, Frederick? Dan, do you have any aches or pains? Uh, no. Not right now. I have had, you know, a little back issue here and there, but mm-hmm. nothing nothing that lasted for No, Dan's oblivious to it all. It's just, it's great, actually. I wish I, wish yeah. I had Dan's well, uh, devil-may-care attitude. <laughs> well, I remember Dan had, like, big uh, varicose veins. Were they painful, Dan, before you had them dug out? Nope. Well, they weren't, eh? Hey? Well, wait a second. A cosmetic I, thing. Yeah, I, 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 I think, didn't I take you to that appointment, or did I pick you up yes. from that appointment? No, you picked me up, because it's the first time I ever remembered being oh. under. I'm surprised you didn't do the fucking surgery. Well, I wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> I did. He said I wanted I'm, to with a paring knife. He said, I'm having the veins <laughs> taken out of my legs. I'm like, I could do that. That's not that I hard. Yeah. Come on. You could do that, Dan. Could do that. Dan, come on, dude. <clears throat> But you make it sound like there's nothing that's ever wrong with you and that everything is wrong with me, but you have had Who? issues. Not you, him. Oh. You. We got an hour of things that are wrong with you. But, Dan, you had your veins removed, not the main vein, thankfully. They can't perform that surgery. <laughs> and uh, you've had some back issues. So, you know, it's something. Listen, man, it's something's so going to get issues. all of us. Yeah. I'm sure, that, I'm sure every person on the planet has had yeah. some issue at some point, you know. <laughs> 
uh, needs to see a doctor. Not to mention how many times you banged your head in shit. Oh, yeah, seriously. <laughs> we don't even yeah. talk about that anymore. That was years of material. Mm. We had to go on. No, see, I stopped that. See, I stopped that completely years ago. I made a decision what? that I wasn't going to make fun of the fact that he walks into stuff all the time. <laughs> All the time. In fact, I used to, before Rachel, the first year I spent in this place, I had right. those old bar stool oh, chairs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they were bar stool type of chairs around an island in my kitchen. And right. there were three of them, and they were kind of rickety. I admit that. that some of the screws were loose in them, and they didn't always. <laughs> but I would, I would be in my house 24 hours a day seven days a week and never walk into them. He'd be in my house for 20 minutes and bang into them constantly. And I said to him at one point, I said, it's a good thing. We don't, this could be a drinking game. That every time, every, every time you walk into them, we should take a toke and see where that gets us. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank God is, you replaced those chairs. And no, I was uh, Rachel. Rachel those replaced chairs. them. Those chairs were just, they had, the legs stuck out at the bottom. So, you know, you're... you're I know, buddy. But it was pretty funny. Seat. Dan, you're well into your 60s. Do you ever talk to your agent about um, flogging, like, uh, medicine here in Canada for yeah. different ailments? You'd be the good-looking guy that, oh, I may be good-looking, but I have this problem. My that veins are uh, achy. Yeah. <laughs> that mm-hmm. would be great. Mm-hmm. I'm Dan Duran for my achy veins. <laughs> Have, but that's there's a legitimate be, question. Be, you could bullshit. Sock. Yeah, I, I, could, I could. You're right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I can just see you in a nice commercial where you're wearing those uh, compression <laughs> socks up to your I'm coming, knees. Coming of that's age right. of all the things that are embarrassing for... Uh, I'm Dan Duran. A nice slim guy like you, like cool, Depends or something. Yeah, you know, you yeah. could display or they can't yeah. even really be detected through a nice pair of pants and... You know, I, I've yeah. thought of you, actually, at Shoppers Drug right. Mart recently. I saw, because the, oh, they always have the handsome guy on the Depends package. <laughs> I thought, <laughs> would you do a Depends, would you do a Depends shoot, like mm-hmm. like the guy sitting there, and they've always got him, he's got his hands yeah. on his hips, yeah. and he's staring happily into the yeah. camera, uh, while apparently wearing Depends. Would that be uh, something you would, a uh, job you would take? Listen, if there's enough money, uh, you know, the, the depends money ratio for sure. Of course. But of it. course, you would never charge top dollar because you don't like it when other people charge top oh, dollar. Oh, no, no. That's not true. What's I mean, that? What's that? No, he doesn't. No, I said, <clears throat> oh, no, I know what you said. What are you, what are you referring he would never to? would never charge top dollar because he doesn't like being charged top dollar. Right. Yeah. None of us do. Mm-hmm. And, and that's referring to something recently or just in general? I know. I, oh, just general. Just general. He doesn't. Um, Fred thinks whenever I think something's too expensive or I'm being ripped off that I, you know, I'm I'm not really being ripped off. I'm just being cheap. I think that's. Oh, I know what his point is. No, 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 no. no, no, That's not it. That you would you want top dollar for your services, yet you don't want to pay others top dollar Uh, for their services. That's that's the point. But I promise you, if we can get you the depend like that, (laughs) if you if you can get if we can get you the depends account, we are getting you top dollar. We're getting you big time depends money. (laughs) <laughs> that would be honestly i'm gonna run that by lumby because you know we have this running gag amongst ourselves that there's no job that dan doesn't think he's right for mm-hmm. and the running gag the running gag is dan would be like hey uh there was a job for a uh you know a uh, young woman of uh asian descent and dan would be like well how did how did she how did she get that 
<laughs> she get that audition for that. Yeah, why didn't I get an audition? So yeah. we would make sure <laughs> that uh, that uh, that you're if, if the audition that would be the test yeah. of does Dan Duran really want every audition? <laughs> if the audition for the Depends guy shows up, would you take it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I would take comedy. the audition, and then and then you know. And then have a conversation if I was offered the job. But you got to be in the position. To I got to be honest with you. I would take that depends money. Like so. Oh, absolutely. In a second. In a second. Yeah. yeah. You think I would care at this point in my life? Oh, hey, there's Howard Glass. He's his pants guy. Yeah. I'm pissing right now in my pants. Hey. <laughs> yeah. I'd say, right. You'd be in this front. Isn't that the guy who shits himself on TV? Yeah. That's right. Yeah, I, I, I could live with that. I'd be like, yeah, I'm shitting money right now out my asshole. Yeah. <laughs> That's what's happening. Mm-hmm. See, the thing is, Fred and I, we have we have no talent, but we have lots of ambition. You have <laughs> yeah. so much talent, and yet is there is there any, is there any medical uh, a medical device or medical condition that you would not uh, promote or help? Uh, no, I do it all. I don't care. I don't okay. care. Man. Same here. Yeah. I'd claim anything. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be like, I'm, I'm, we're humble and Fred for uh, Vagicel. We would do it all. <laughs> <laughs> we don't care, um, Dan. But yeah. seriously, like I, Kurt, I've seen like Kurt Browning do a thing for a reverse mortgage, and I know he's of a different fame level. But somebody like you, with your looks and your demeanor, you could be very reassuring when talking mm-hmm. about like medication or drugs or therapies. I think that's you should look into that. Yep. All right. I like I'll have a you. discussion with my agent then about that. Have you if you seen Tom Selleck talk about the reverse mortgage? I oh, want to yeah. get one. No, like, seriously. When I see him because you want to yeah. hang with Tom. Well, I, no, I, gotta be I honest just with you. Tom's so team. nice. Mm-hmm. That one sort of depresses me a little bit because I'm like, you know, when I and it's not that Jerry. I, I was never a huge Leave It to Beaver watcher because it was I mean, it was early '60s. But you know, I mean. But Tom Selleck was Hawaii. What was the show? Uh, Magnum PI. I was going to say Hawaii Five O. Yeah, love. And I, I see him now. And I'm like, wow, look how old Tom Selleck is. And I think, well, look how old I am. Yeah, like we're old. Mm-hmm. And yeah, but he's still working, isn't it? Yeah. I don't know. Is his show what is it? Blue Bloods or something? That's- oh, he's done very well. Yeah, yeah. that's why when I, exactly. we had talked about that commercial, I'm like, does Tom Selleck need reverse mortgage commercial money? I wouldn't think so. So he must be doing it for either an amazing amount of money we can't even comprehend, like they gave him part of the company. Yeah. Because, Dan, you know better than us, like, what he would be working, he'd be a working actor still, would he not be? You just mentioned oh, the yeah. show he's on. And remember yeah. when he was... Oh, he's remember. still working, for sure. He's, you know, it's a, probably a, a big amount of cash yeah. that's been well, okay. real better um, up to his door, yeah. Remember when he played... Uh, was it Monica's uh, boyfriend on Friends? On Friends, yes. Yeah, that was thinking. Yeah, twenty five years. Ago. Yeah, you, you what you started thinking? If I looked like that, maybe I'd have a gents. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it says here uh, net worth forty five million. Not yeah, bad. well, that's what I mean. Like if I was, I will, I will say this: if I was worth forty five million, I wouldn't be doing a Depends commercial. I might do the foot commercial because maybe I because my feet hurt, mm-hmm. but. Uh, Really? So if you were 45 and they offered you 10? 10, 10 to do Depends? Yeah, of course. Yeah. But I'm just saying, like, <laughs> no, don't be silly. Dude. So uh, there's like, a number. There's a number. There is a number. Dan, there's a number. I, I would, well, I don't know. I don't know what I would do for 10 million, but I'd certainly, 
you know, I would certainly do a television commercial for what the most embarrassing thing, you know, there is. I don't care what okay. that is, you know. Right. But even if you had a base of $45 million. Well, you know, again, I don't know what that's like. You, you know, you tell me. You're multi-millionaire. Uh, yeah, I, like, I know what that's like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sure, yeah. You know, Fred I does. More, uh, I need a helicopter for my... Uh, that's my right. Yacht. Fred's the only one who knows what $45 million is like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wish. Yeah, I wish. Mm. You know, when I was down in the States, I don't know if you guys know this, but they have lotteries down there. And uh, I would daydream about... Okay, so it's a $15, $15 million lotto, whatever it was in California. And I was thinking, okay, what would that be? So that's like $20 million Canadian or, you know, maybe I should play the lottery and win it in U.S. dollars. And Yeah, and apparently, if you're a Canadian and you win it, they tax you, but then you claim the tax back where Americans can't. Was that Something right? Something like that. Look at you doing your research. Like, uh, uh, lotteries apparently are not tax-free down there. Oh, yeah. The way no, they are right. here. That's why they have these options where you can take the win or you can take a payout over time. Uh, I'll tell you what else you can do in order to win. You can do this. Have a listen. Cursing during your commute again. Do you find yourself living at work instead of working from home? Couldn't this have been an email? When it feels like all that's left is work hard. <sighs> You know it's time to play. It's easy to find your next favorite game at Bodog.net. Play free casino games, get poker tips, and check out the latest sports odds. Visit Bodog.net today. Hashtag make a play. And tomorrow on the show, the retirement Sherpa. Tim is a portfolio manager. Raymond James, a member of the Canadian Investors Protection Fund. Uh... I'm I'm not quite sure that I uh, mentioned Tim on this show, so I just want to make sure that I did. All right. Tim will be on the show tomorrow. Our buddy will be back. Yeah, well, that'll, that'll be cool. And I don't mm-hmm. think you did mention the retirement Sherpa, but he's been well, a long-time doing supporter. doing it right yes, now. Yes, I know. The show would not be complete without mentioning our buddy who can help you build a portfolio from scratch, or he'll have a look at uh, your existing one. RetirementSherpa.ca. And now here he is, the spokesman for <laughs> Wiener Grow. <laughs> That's right. I'm Dan Duran for Wiener Grow. You know, as you get older, I'll write something up for you, Dan. All right. Okay. All right. Okay. Great. Yeah. This episode of Bumble and Fred was brought to you by Gig Sky, the retirement Sherpa. The retirement Sherpa. Don't cry. Tim. Tim. <laughs> of the retirement Sherpa. The Chambers Plan, Bodog, Health Gauge, Canna and GoDaddy. For Humble and Fred, I'm Dan Duran. And as long as Howard doesn't bang his head in the shower and Fred doesn't slip near the pool, this show will return tomorrow. Bottles and cans, just clap your hands, just clap your hands. Where's that?